Welcome, everyone, to the CavsCorner.com podcast, CavsCorner.com, your source sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place of Franklin States in the west end of Richmond, where it is Monday, November the 26th. Um, I Maybe a handful of times and out of 285 of these that we've done, where we actually record on a Monday, it's, it's pretty odd, but you know basketball game on Wednesday. Dave has something going on Tuesday, so it just kind of made sense not to wait all week. Uh, we're going to talk about that thing, um, that thing that had happened. Uh, we don't really have much choice. We're not going to beleaguer it. Uh, we're not going to um, linger. We're not going to make you relive every painful, painful moment of it. But we are. We got to talk about it, and we'll talk about bowls and um, sort of the trajectory of things and maybe look, maybe do some looking back on the season as a whole, but we'll also talk some basketball on the other side. Virginia goes down, wins its sixth straight, um, regular season tournament. Uh, Cavaliers get the battle for Atlantis trophy to bring back to Charlottesville to add to all of the other hardware. Um, an interesting event for them. And certainly I feel like we, we learned a couple things. Um, big matchup this week, obviously with Maryland, which will be, um, you know, it'll be pretty interesting to see that unfold for those of us who will be there. Ferber, I hate you for leaving me all alone. But anyway, let's go around and introduce everybody before we get started up. And Fishersville, the aforementioned David Spence, is on the show. How are you, my friend? I'm David. I'm a rageaholic. It's been three days since I lost my crap. Um, who days on the board? At who days on Twitter? <laughs> it's been three days. Uh, up in Arlington, staff writer Justin Ferber is also on the show. How are you, my friend? Uh, I'm doing well. I keep thinking that it's Wednesday, which kind of sucks because it's not, um, because usually we record on Wednesdays, but here we are at Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter and Cavs corner also on Twitter Cavs underscore corner. Great place for the in-game updates, content items, uh, and the occasional wee banter. Um, I'm really sad Ferber that you didn't try to spell it out again. Cause I really was hoping that was going to be a shtick that you did every week and you try to figure out different ways to spell your name. Nah, nah, I'm not, I'm not, you're not creative enough for that. <laughs> you're not, you know, you don't yeah, have enough, maybe not. you don't have enough tenacity for that, huh? Yeah, it's too much. <laughs> so, uh, all right. So, Friday night, Virginia goes down to Blacksburg. We've talked uh, offline, the three of us, about you know the number of plays that you know one of them goes UVA's way and blah blah blah. Uh, I don't want to rehash all that. I guess I just want to I want to do what I normally would like to do when something happens, and then we have a few days to to think about it. Dave, I'm going to start with you. Now that you've had a few days, you've obviously gone back and watched parts of, if not all of, the game. I'm just curious. What are some of your now more firm takeaways? Um, not necessarily reasons why, but some of your takeaways from that uh, from that loss to Tech. It still sucks. I mean, it it took me until today to rewatch the game. Um, I, it, that's one of the tougher ones. Um, I think I've sat through some beatdowns. You know, we we all have. Um, we've had some some bad moments, but that one. Just the way it all played out, the, the oh my god, we're gonna lose. Oh my god, here. Okay, that's the thing you're not be, supposed to be doing. Yeah. That's the thing yeah. you're not supposed to be doing. Don't do that because <laughs> I, I don't um, want people to start turning us off. Because Lord have mercy, no. it's been enough pain. No, I'm just saying, like it, it, it was painful. <laughs> period. Uh, where I am now, like, you know, in the grand schemes of things, it's it, it's another loss, and I'm trying to move forward and see see what lessons I could learn from watching the film. And I do feel better going back and watching it. Um, like, a, like I've said, <laughs> podcast after podcast, like you don't remember things in the moment. Um, they look a lot different. It just took me three days to be able to watch it again. So it was a lost opportunity and, and that hurts. But yeah, I, I was proud of the kind of how they. I like how you're not answering the question whatsoever. You're all you're doing is like you're going through this catharsis. Don't do that. We don't want to do that. Nobody needs that. No, I need to. Did you hear the rageaholic thing? Yeah, I know. But what you need to do is talk to me about your takeaways from the game, not like how you feel. The same. Oh, I'm not Doctor Phil. I'm right? better now. You're not on a couch. Um, I mean, our takeaways for the game are, are, are pretty simple. I mean, it was there for the taking. Um, yeah, I think one of the things we all kind of hammered on leading up to the game was. Virginia needed to come out and kind of punch them in the mouth and not give them hope. Um, and, and they failed to do that. Now, um, they recovered and, you know, went into the halftime at least <laughs> closer than it could have been, given some of the mistakes they made in the first half. So my takeaway, I was really impressed with the way they came out in the second half, which I think lends some of the aggravation you get looking back on the first half, the way they were able to move the ball in the second. Um, you know, 
I don't think past Virginia teams would have had that resolve, especially in Blacksburg against Virginia Tech. Um, now granted, this wasn't the best Virginia Tech team we've seen, but I don't think that really matters that much. Um, so there, there are certain some positives, and there are some negatives, because anytime you you have back-to-back chances to win games on the road in overtime and hold the team to three points on their first possession and fail to score a single point on the, on yours, that's tough, and that's something that's going to have to be fixed. You know, Even if you take away the Virginia Tech component, that's something you've got to got to conquer to make the next step. So there's some, you know, there's plenty of positives to take away for the game. Um, and certainly plenty of negatives. I, and I think there's going to be some soul searching amongst the, the coaching staff and looking back in on what they did. And maybe that benefits us long-term, but short-term going back to my feelings, they're still hurt. Lord have mercy on my soul. If I make it through this podcast. All right, Ferber, give me some some takeaways now that you've had several days to sort of ruminate and um, get a little distance from it. Yeah. I mean, I went back and rewatched it, and I think that actually was pretty cathartic <laughs> just to go back and see it as a football game. And, uh, you know, they were they were very close and right there, obviously. And, then, you know, we won't go through the litany of plays because everybody saw it. But um, – I don't want to discredit Virginia Tech because I think that they made a few big plays um, in those 50-50 situations to to win. Um, but I didn't feel like UVA really choked the game away or anything like that either. I just kind of think that they were a few play a little short on a few plays here and there, and and uh, that ended up being the, the difference. And I don't think you know you can sit here and blame the offense completely because they scored 31 points, and I don't think you can blame the defense completely because they got some big stops in the second half when they needed them and forced a couple of turnovers and uh, only gave up seven points in the first half. Um, and you can blame special teams, but you know that they had one bad play basically in the game. So, or two. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think that the big takeaway for me is something that I knew going in, which is the offense is moving the ball until they get inside the red zone. And then they're having trouble finishing those drives. And uh, obviously that's something that's going to need to be improved uh, 10 points on four red zone trips is just not good enough. Um, and, and, you know, they deserve credit for scoring those touchdowns just outside the red zone. But I mean, th- th- there's gotta be some improvement there. And I kind of think the last play, the fumble was, was not necessarily like a failure in the same sense as, you know, having to kick a field goal would be, um, you know, like not converting on a drive. That was more of just like a thing that happened, but could have happened in the middle of the field. Um, but you know, it, it's it's a shame to lose a missed opportunity, you know, to end the streak and, and get it over with you when you're right there. And uh, I don't I, I just hope it doesn't. Uh, uh, I mean, the program is still heading in the right direction, I think. And, and I think that they've shown a lot of progress and improved in significant ways on both sides of the ball. Uh, their highest scoring offense in a long, long time. Um, and I think that uh, this game shows that they've come a long way from where they were but there's still work to do and but that doesn't necessarily mean that everything that they've done good is undone i think that's fair i i think the thing that i keep coming back to is in the in the moment in the in at the time it felt like all right you know what this is a tech this is a game virginia has to have because when are they ever you know going to be you know this uh vulnerable again and and i and i remember standing in that uh, in the tunnel and Bronco's doing his press presser and he's talking about, you know, the gap is closed and the gap is closed. It's, you know, it's, it's so, and I'm thinking, but is it really because yeah, the UVA has got some kids that, that are hurt. You, you would like to have seen Richard Bernie this year. You would have liked to have seen a full season of Jordan Mack. You would have liked to see Malcolm cook be healthy. You would have liked to have not lost Robert Snyder for a game. Um, you know, you would like to have not have had uh, joy blunt and Mandy Alonzo go down Um but at the same time, I look at Tech's team like this is not the Tech team that Tech expected to have or wanted to have. Um, and so I, I don't know if I can look at that game as close as it was and think that. I think as I watched that third down play, I became, Dave's talking about you know rage. I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't disagree with you guys who have, you know who throughout the day or or a couple of days have said basically like. Hey, like maybe this song is not exactly the the way we thought it was. Like about them being conservative and that kind of thing. Um, but that third and nine from the eleven, excuse me, from the ten, 
I, I don't want to tell people to go back and watch it because you, you should be in charge of your own catharsis. But I'm going to tell you, I went back and watched it a bunch of times, and every time I watched it, I got angrier because that play had no chance. Unless Tech just completely forgot how to cover Hasis Dubois and Alameda Zacchaeus, that play had no chance. T- Tanner Cowley's in the game in motion. He comes down to block. Jordan Ellis is in the game. He comes over to block. Evan Butts is in the game. He goes to block. It's third and nine from the 10-yard line. You're in a two-tight end set, right? I don't know what they thought they were going to get, but they certainly didn't get it, and it wasn't even remotely close to being a thing that could act. Like, they, there was nobody, you know what I'm saying? Like, they didn't even, I watched that play, and it just looks like to me, if that's your bet, like, it's third and nine from the 10. You're up four, right? A touchdown there wins the game, and this is your call. Like, that's supposed to be the spot where you, you run your best play, right? Because it's essentially third and goal, right, from, from the 10. You've got nine yards to go. I, I can't even I can't even put into words like how frustrating it is to watch that and and I get where people are why people are upset because from a football standpoint it don't make no sense being up four and being up seven are essentially the same thing you put you score a touchdown that thing's over and it goes back to Ferber's stat about the red zone trips this offense has been bad in the red zone all season long um, they have not been able to score touchdowns and that that is not just a problem that has to be fixed it's a problem that is. It ha- it's systemic. Like, it doesn't just happen. You know what I mean? Like, um, you, could, you could look to the defense and say, well, maybe sometimes guys are trying to pick off passes when they should be breaking up passes. And okay, those are things that you can, you can fix. I, I don't know how you fix being that bad in terms of red zone scoring. Excuse me, scoring touchdowns in the red zone. And, and that, to me, not only, as I said in my column, but as I, as I sit here today, like, not only is that the thing that, that really stands out, but it, it's the thing that, that, that is right now hampering this team. Like Bryce Perkins it basically just did him like he he was he was as good in that game, I think, as, as you can expect somebody to be, even though he did have a really rough first half. And today's point in, in the text start earlier, like, yeah, they had a lot of uh, penalties earlier in the game that killed a bunch. You know, every drive seemed to have one negative thing that basically ruined it. Right. In the second half, they didn't have that. But in the second half, they were also much more aggressive and they were much they were they they looked comfortable when they were down they did not look comfortable when they led and that to me is is an indictment on something now what it is i'm not sure i just know that watching that third and nine call and watching it over and over again like there are multiple tech defenders who have literally nothing to do except run to the quarterback because why not there's no there's nobody going to be threatening them in space there's nobody going to be going behind them they got nothing to do they're just running to this just, just going to run to the toward the sideline to make sure Bryce Perkins doesn't score it was the weirdest it's it's I I, 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 I hope I hope beyond hope that there is a that there's a rationale that I'm too stupid to understand right that there is some some football savantness to it and they're like no no this is what they were trying to do Brad you dummy and then I can go oh I'm glad I'm a dummy because otherwise it just doesn't make any sense to me and that is the takeaway that I like. I'm I'm more frustrated. You guys sound to be maybe I need to go back and watch the game again. I've only watched certain plays to to make sure that I remember them correctly. But like I'm more frustrated than I was live, uh, and I'm not really sure how that exactly uh, transpired. Yeah, uh, on my rewatch, I'll say the only play that I couldn't justify was that third down. Um, I could have justified it if. Bryce isn't very good at throwing the 50-50 ball, especially from close. And I don't know if that's related to his pinky. You know, he has been playing with a bum hand since Louisville. Um, you know, he's thrown that ball from like 20 out to Joe Reed and Hasis. And, um, you know, if he'd have thrown a 50-50 ball to the corner to Hasis, because they were both one-on-one, OZ and, and Hasis. But he kind of threw it to OZ, a flat ball that OZ couldn't come back for. Um I think OZ would have gotten pass interference if it had been a back shoulder throw because the tech dude was, was coming hard. Um, but it was, you know, it was a low probability play. And I think you're right. It's symptomatic of the red zone offense as a whole this year. Um, I, now that we're at the point where you've got a whole season of information, I, I think that has a lot to do with, with the inability of the offensive line to be consistent um, and, and blocking, you know, when, when you're 10, 15 yards out, the defense can blitz and still cover the field. They don't need to drop their linebackers. So you're going to get more pressure, which puts more on the offensive line, which is probably why we had too tight there, uh, two tight yeah. ends on that play. Right. But I and think you know, the other Ferber thing- and I used to, hold on, Ferber and I used to joke that um, Virginia was the worst team in the country when it came to like 
first and goal from the 10, first oh, and yeah, goal from the go. 9, right? That's we used to joke about that. But, like, realistically, like, that's a thing that happens when you can't – you know what I'm saying? And, like, look, in that situation, you were given the ball there, so it wasn't like it was, you made your own luck. But that's, that's, that, that is definitely a thing that they've struggled with for a long time. Yeah, and I do think as much as I like Jordan, I think he's he's a one a one dimensional player. Like he can catch the ball, but he's not a receiving threat. Um, so if you've got him in as your main back, which we do at ninety five percent of the time, so if he doesn't get the ball running, you pretty much don't need to worry about him anymore. Um, so there, you know, you don't have the the versatility you need, and I'm hoping we see that more with the running backs next year. Um, but yeah, you're right. That, that play made no sense. The rest of them, I can, you know, the, especially the, what was it the possession after they tied it up where we had it deep and just ran it? Like you're just being conservative there to try to force overtime. Um, and even the first down play in that series up four, you had the ball in Bryce's hand, trying to let him make a play and force tech to call a timeout. It made sense. He just, unfortunately, we got no blocking and he got nowhere on it. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, the difference between being conservative and being smart is the execution, I think, like to some degree. And I think that that's just, you know, the, they weren't able to execute those plays partially because Tech probably knew that what they were going to do or knew that they would probably try to keep the ball on the ground. But, you know, they make one of those plays that get out of there. And I, I kind of understand what Bronco's thinking. He thinks that they could run on them and they could execute on them and they weren't able to do that. Well, and I think too, like because of what they had done on the previous possession, right? If I'm if I'm Bud Foster, what am I expecting them to do? I'm expecting them to to protect the lead, right? I'm expecting them to run the ball. I'm expecting them, especially once they ran that first down run, right? And you're running the wild that like quasi wildcat look, right? And and Bryce loses a yard. They call their timeout. I'm ex- I'm not expecting them to throw twice, and I'm not expecting them to treat it as four down either. Um, and look, I understand that like my whole thing about treating that as four down from the 11, that maybe that would be, um, you know, that some people wouldn't think that that was advisable and that's understandable. But I also, I looked at the grades that from this game and Applefield at pass blocking was 83.8, right? RJ Proctor pass blocking at 85, right? Ryan Nelson pass blocking at 77.2. This was far and away the best pass blocking that this line did all season right and in when you needed a you, you needed a play one you ran a you rolled him out so basically it, it took the offensive line out of it and then two the thing that got you there in the second half you scored 30 some points on text defense in a half right and the thing that got you there you just decided not to do anymore now i understand that that throughout the second half bryce's feet and his and his running ability and some of the calls were a big reason why they were doing what they were doing I'm not trying to take that away but the reason that was working is because you were also throwing the ball and and look how I'm not saying that it was like knife through butter but you were executing well in 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 the biggest moment of the game they didn't they didn't go to the thing that was working they didn't have the confidence to do it and that's why I ended my column the way I did to win these games it's earned man it's not given and this is a this is the mantra of the program. It should it should look like that on the field too. I just I, again I'm not I'm not trying to harp on it. I'm, and I'm gonna move forward in a second. But that that call is, is so indicative of like the issues that that they have. And there's and I think the frustration level is when you watch this team, they are there's more there than they're putting on the field. Right? You had a third and nine. And you didn't have, and you you were in a too tight set. Dave makes a good point. They're probably trying to to max protect because you know, okay, fair. But but even so, you you didn't challenge them. You didn't make them make a play. You d- you had been making them try. To, you had been challenging them and making them make plays for the entire second half. And Tech showed you that they couldn't do it, and you let them off the hook. Um, now I want to transition really quickly to. I want to look back at like the season as a whole, uh, or at least as the regular season as a whole. Obviously, Virginia has one more game coming up. Um, I think all three of us fully expect it to be Charlotte. Um, I want to talk about some um, some of our expectations going in uh, and sort of where they met. I-, I think I was probably the most bullish of the three of us um, on Bryce Perkins um, and his ability to be a game changer. I think we all agree that without him, Virginia is nowhere close to a bowl game. Though Brendan Armstrong is is not going to be bad. Like that kid can ball. Um, Dave, give me some of your thoughts or something expectation wise that e- either 
it was either a um, something that surprised you in terms of a positive, or there's something that didn't pan out the way you expected. Um, I, I was thinking about this right before we got on the air. Like when we when we did that preseason podcast, you know, I, I picked Virginia to go eight and four, and uh, that's, I always pick Virginia to beat Virginia Tech. So that, essentially, I picked them to go seven and four, and the other part of their um, other part of this their other eleven eleven games, right? But I remember specifically saying, you know, they've got to stay healthy. We can't have an attrition at the defensive line, especially, um, and everything else. But the fact that they got to that, um, given, I mean, that defensive line, you had like, you had a dude with no name on a team that earns their jerseys who played considerable snaps on two road games that you almost won in overtime. Um, I mean, the, the defensive line attrition, the injuries on, on defense, yet they kept going. Um, and then Bryce, other than, you know, the ankle scare at Georgia Tech and the ligament thing against Louisville and then the Dax Holyfield thing on Saturday. I mean, on Friday, there goes the rage again. Um, I mean, that guy managed – that guy's a warrior, man. He came back every game and, and, and did everything. So – Given what we said, like couldn't happen for Virginia to have a good season, and the fact that the biggest one did happen, and they still had a very good, not great season. Um, you know, there's a few points from great there in my book, but it's pretty remarkable. And I think you know the defensive staff should be commended for it. Um, the secondary played ridiculously good for a bulk of the season. The linebackers on the defensive line kind of made do with what they had and figured out a way to make it work against some very good teams. Now, we went one and three down the stretch against three quality teams, but we weren't out of any of them. We didn't have any of those massive blowouts at the end of the year last year, uh, like we did last year. So that's progress to me. Um, and back-to-back bowl games, you know, I said on Twitter, this is the second, second time we've had back-to-back seven, you know, back-to-back bowl games in forever. Um, one of the first seven win seasons we had since I think 2005, maybe um, it's been now back to back seven win seasons we haven't had in a while. So it all in all, it's a good thing. It, it but it's I understand as a fan, it's tough to kind of differentiate what you just saw versus what we right. saw over the course of the year. Right. But to me, like honestly, the difference, the next step is that red zone offense. Like if this team is 10 to 15 percent more efficient in the red zone scoring touchdowns that offense is like top of one of the top in the league so they're not that far away they just have to get there so one thing i was looking at was to so bryce perkins smashed well i guess you could say smash but he says one more game left he's now number one and he has a single season total offense 3314 yards he best kurt benkirk already by about you know, 115, and then he's got another game to play. He's also the single-season touchdown uh, responsible for leader. So, basically, if you if you can include passing and rushing touchdowns, he's at 31, which broke Bill Dudley, Sean Moore, and Matt Schaub, um, which is nuts. Um, he had the season that – the kind of season that Virginia obviously needed him to have. I don't – I expected him to be good. I don't know if I expected him to be uh, – as poised as he was, I thought there'd be some some bumps along the way. Uh, maybe the bumps were the you know the finger and the um, and the ankle and stuff. But you're right, that kid put in every ounce of effort that you could think. I mean, the, I, I hate it for him that 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 fumble happened the way it, in, at the end of the game the way it did because. And I'm really glad they have an extra game because that shouldn't be the lasting memory for anybody when it comes to this kid and what season he had. You know. Um, you know, if you had bugged my brain um, before the year, I don't think even even in my agent of optimism days that I could have thought he was going to have the kind of season that he ended up having. And certainly, um, I was I was expecting the, um, the the secondary to be better out of the gate. They got there. Um, we talked a lot in the preseason, right, about the the defensive line, and that was the one position they couldn't. Man, you know, they couldn't afford any injuries on, and they did. But, man, they got a lot out of a bunch of kids who weren't there last year, whether that was Dylan Thompson later or, you know, um, Jordan Redmond earlier in the year, Aaron Falmui for most of the year. Um, they did a good job of, of riding that ship once they lost Bernie. Um, you know, and, and then obviously gone into into uh, coming out of training camp, we're in a tough spot too. Um, 
I, I also think too that they were remarkably consistent. I mean, yeah, we you know I, I get on the whole red zone woes thing, but they were. I thought overall you really could kind of expect from Virginia what you were going to get, and they more often than not they delivered. Ferber, what were some of your comparisons between the end of the season and your and your preseason sort of expectations, good or bad? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, I was pretty on the money since I won our prop bet thing. Um, I was you know, wondering how long that. it was going to take you to, to yeah. humble brag. Yeah, to take yeah. a victory lap. Not very humble, but yeah, um, like Dax Hollyfield. Um, yeah, I crushed that. Picked them at seven and five. You know, just four and four in the ACC. You know, whatever. Um, anyway, now I thought Bryce obviously was better, better or as good as I thought he would be. Um, and I think that he had the effect on the offense that we hoped he would. I mean, Jordan Ellis, um, you know, look at his numbers from one season to the next. Um, just the overall rushing production that they had. Um, the receivers, you know, it, he only really – Joe Reed came on really nice at the end of the season um, after kind of being, you know, third, fourth option through most of the first half of the season. And it was really good to see that. And hopefully he can keep that going into next season But because the, they're going to need him for sure. Uh, but Dubois obviously uh, became a solid number two after we really hadn't seen him do much prior to the season. Um, you know, he had a few catches here and there. Uh, and then on defense, you know, the offensive line, I do want to give them a shout out. I, they only ended up having to start six different players. And um, it seems like I don't know if, if that group is quite a strength at this point, but they're moving, it seems, in the right direction for the most part. There's been some sketchy moments here and there, but it seems like they're getting better. Um, I would, yeah, like like you guys said, I was really impressed with the secondary. Um, I, I did want to shout out to Charles Snowden, who I think is a beast, and I think that he really came on, especially in a few games, like the Louisville game and then the Tech game. Um, I thought he played really well in both of those games, and uh, you know you're gonna lose Juan Thornhill for next year in the secondary, and Tim Harris and maybe Bryce Hall if he decides to go pro early. Um, and that would be tough to replace, but I think Joey Blunt's a nice piece to build around there. And then also, you know, Brian Delaney emerging as a, as a legitimate kicking option. Um, obviously, he, you know, people probably remember the one he missed against Georgia Tech, but, you know, he made a bunch of good uh, clutch kicks, especially against Miami, um, where he had three field goals, I think. Um, and, you know, I'll, he made that field goal. Yeah, obviously, we saw what happened on, on Friday night, but he did make that field goal to put it into a seven-point lead that actually forced overtime. Yeah, um, the snap was terrible on that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The right hash, really right? bad snap, and he got it right down the middle. So um, I wanted to give a shout-out to him. Uh, as far as disappointments, um, and I don't think – I'm not saying it's a disappointment. I'm disappointed in him, but I'm disappointed that they weren't able to kind of get Tavares Kelly more involved. Um, you know, we saw a lot of flashes from him in fall camp from the videos and it seemed like he was going to be a, a bigger part of the offense. And he did make his, his presence known a few times and even on punt returns. Um, but you know, it was, they weren't really able to, they never struck up a touchdown and obviously they came very close on Friday. Um, but you know, I, I hope that he can build on, you know, the playing time that he got and, and improve for next year. I thought about it would be a, a good exercise to sort of go through. I mean, there's a lot that can happen, right? bowl practices and what are they what do you say dave they're unlimited until they find out when they're what their bowl no that's what broncos once you're once you're announced you're in a bowl you have unlimited practices up to your bowl date which i had no clue about so you get like the december 20th bowl versus the 28th like that's right. a big difference yeah so can they so that they might can... actually be the reason that the rules in place huh can you because you know it kind of would penalize those other teams like that play later bowl games i think yeah dude just kind of sitting around do they can they but they can still they they can have what one it's practice up to them. a day between yeah, now and then he didn't say that he just said unlimited practices but he said obviously you got to gauge that with staying fresh so right he was talking about how he's going to be able to get young guys like Tommy Christ and Redman and and Famui a lot more work leading up to the right eight days or so of bowl prep they'll do Got it. So offensively, obviously they'll lose uh, Alameda Zacchaeus, who uh, I, we all know. I mean, he's had a monster year. He had an all-ACC first-team sort of year. Um, they'll lose Jake Feeler on the offensive line. They'll lose uh, Marcus Applefield on the offensive line. And they'll lose Jordan Ellis uh, in the at running back. Um, but if you think about it, with, with Kelly and, and Kemp both there, um, the H-back position is, is fairly stocked. Um, they've got some young kids coming as well. 
du- to, to Ferber's point, Dubois really had a nice year. Um, and then the younger receivers, Jana, um, even Obasi, um, I thought played well. Reed, Joe Reed might be both my disappointment and my um, my surprise in the sense that he wasn't where I thought he would be early, but then he really came on um, later in the year and became. I mean, he, he, he really did a nice job. I think they also, to their credit, did a good job of like, really getting in the ball. But if you think about it, every position-wise, right, they're good at quarterback. Running back, there's lots of, lots of talent. Um, H-back, they've got talent. Wide receiver, they've got talent. The offensive line, you would expect would be even better. The, yeah, they're going to lose two guys, but they've got a lot of guys who got a lot of experience. Um, I, I feel like that's, a, that's an offense that is going to be – it's hard to say that you're going to lose a guy like Alameda and be better, right? But you could see this offense next year with Bryce having a full year at the helm um, being at least as good, if not better, maybe more uh, more consistent or maybe more um, um, efficient. On the other side of the ball, you've got um, you've got all these defensive linemen that are getting time, and this like let's just talk about this for a second, right? So next year, Bernie will be back. UVA loses Eli Handback. Uh, excuse me, he's a junior. My no, bad. he doesn't. No, they don't. My bad. <laughs> so they lose Dylan Thompson. So he's the one senior among the group, right? They're going to have all those dudes back who played all these minutes, all these reps, and then also going to add arguably the best recruit that UVA has signed since Andrew Brown, right? I mean, and they've got some young kids who, you know, still haven't played yet. I, I – that defensive line depth is about to just take a complete 180. Um, they're going to go from so thin that they're asking dudes to please, please play well. And then all of a sudden they're going to be just chock full of guys and they'll probably have a nice rotation. At and honestly, the experience that they got, you know, having to play it's some huge. of those guys, Chris and all those other guys, you know, they might actually benefit from that. It's huge. I mean, what Redmond and Falmui and, and Chris got, um, it's huge. And if you think about too, like Bernie was at a place when he, when he, when he, got when he left right i don't want to say he got hurt because it was a medical thing but like he was at a place where i mean he was really coming on he, he had just had his best game um and so i i look at the defense the, let's start the defensive line they're going to be better right you'd have to argue right snow they lose chris peace um they'll have jordan mack back that you've seen so much from snyder and zandier um they'll need some some guys to step up at, at linebacker just to provide depth but snowden brown um, have both played well. Matt Gam played Dumb. well. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, I, I mean, what they've gotten out of Snyder and Gam this year really, really surprised me. Um, and then at, D, at DB, yeah, they lose Tim, they lose Juan, they might lose Bryce, and that's going to be a heck of a, a bump. There's no way around that. Um, and yeah, Joey Joey Blunt's back. Uh, Darius Bratton at one corner. You would imagine uh, they'll have to figure out the other corner. Um, I think Cross sticks at safety. He's played really well. Yeah, I was going to say he looks like a safety. Well, you get. You get Chris Moore back as well. And I was going to say, yeah, Chris Moore is... coming back gives him a nice, you know, versatile piece. They figured out their kicker situation. My guess would be um, maybe depending on what happens at, at punter. I don't know if Delaney stays at kicker or what um, because Hunter Pearson was supposed to be the kicker of the future. But, I mean, I don't think we've I – don't, I don't even know if he's been at games um, the last few weeks, um, last couple – maybe a month or so. But overall, defensively, like, I'm not going to say they're going to be better because they're going to lose arguably – uh, two of their maybe three of their best pieces um but man that's that's still a lot of talent that's going to be back and guys who played a lot of uh a lot of reps and so i mean if you think about this before the season i was what seven and five ferber was seven and five dave was eight and four and people thought we were nuts right which is <laughs> typical for the preseason and honestly disease. they kind of like <laughs> they should have been like eight and four nine and three yeah i mean exactly a couple of things bounce different. You know, obviously you could take the Miami win away, I guess, because that was a close win. But um, other than that, I mean, all the other close games they played, they lost. So, so yeah, NC State was really the only game all year Virginia didn't feel like they had a chance to win. And at the end, they had a chance to win. Mm. I mean, it was, was kind of crazy. Yeah, they, they did not look like they were going to be in the fight, and then they were in the fight. That was a, I, think they were, I think the fact that they had so many of these games this year where the way it went was so counter to the way other Virginia games have gone in recent years. That to me, uh, beyond just like what we actually like, but what we actually saw on the field, but like that to me might have been my biggest takeaway. Virginia used to be a team 
that not that long ago was a team that you just you just never knew, right? Never knew what you were going to get. And this year, Virginia was the team that you knew you could count on to do X, Y, and Z. And the other teams they were playing, the Louisville's, the Carolinas, that like they were the ones that you weren't really sure what you were going to get. Um, and more often than not, Virginia put itself in a, in a position to win the game because they were consistent. They didn't get down on themselves when there was p- terrible luck. They're down 14 at Blacksburg and come back to take the lead in the fourth quarter. They're um, they're down to you know um, string cheese and bubble gum on the defensive front and somehow managed to keep Georgia Tech from running all over them, right? They, that NC State game was really the only time all year, and that game w- would normally have been a blowout, and it just wasn't. The Miami game would have been a blowout, and it wasn't. Like, that, there are just a lot of examples of that throughout the year, and I think that's a, that's a credit to the coaching staff and, and, and the players and development. Like, they, they, don't, they, don't, they don't let it happen. Like, they, they, they find a way to come back no matter what's what's going on with them and yeah the fact and the, also too real quick the the way that they started fast so much of this season like they they very rarely you know more often than not they were starting fast they were taking the game to their opponent i thought that was that was also a, a you know a welcome surprise oh yeah i just wanted to say one more thing about the offense um i know that the fans have been critical of an eye and i get that I, I totally understand that i'm not going to defend everything that he's done um but having said all that i think that if you look at the numbers outside of the red zone numbers which you know that clearly has to improve um you know they, they haven't scored this many points i don't I've, i don't have the data from from when they scored this many points per game like i don't have it because if you go back on like the stat pages, they only go back like a decade. So, I mean, they haven't scored 28 points a game in that stretch. Um, and the running game improved. And honestly, we thought that they would lose a lot of the big play potential. And, and they didn't have as many like huge passing plays, but they still had a good number of big plays. And, and I, I mean, Bryce was kind of like the catalyst to everything. But this staff recruited him and brought him in and, and made him fit into a system. So... I mean, they deserve some of the credit for that. I understand their frustrations, but you know, this offense has improved. Um, it's not, it's not an offense that's holding back the team so much as they just need to get a little bit more consistent and finish right. drives. Fair. Let's. Uh, yeah, you sent us that stat earlier, Justin. It was like point nine two points per drive or something improved versus last year, yeah. which was second so that's like to... points per points per drive. They were, I think, third in the ACC in points per drive uh, improvement on offense behind Syracuse and I want to say Pitt. Yeah, um, but they were within like a tenth of both. Right, and and Pitt obviously had an explosive running offense this year that they had a lot of points in some of those games. Yeah. And then Syracuse, obviously, it seems like they've kind of turned the corner mm-hmm. um, as a program, or at least temporarily. Temporarily, yeah. Um, and, then, and then on defense, Virginia was also third in the conference in uh, allowed points per drive uh, improvement from last year to this year. So behind Clemson and Syracuse. So, I mean, they are heading in the right direction. And I think that the win totals might make it look like, all right, they had a pretty comparable season to what they did last year. But I think if you actually look at the numbers and the way that UVA won those games, I think that, um, you know, I think that you can kind of see that this team, I think this team would beat last year's team handily. Um, maybe maybe I'm wrong. Um but I think that this year's team is better than last year's team. And I think the next year's team, even though the schedule is a little harder, could be about the same or better. Um, and and that you know would be good, obviously. Right. All right, we need to get to basketball because we're 30, almost 40 minutes in. Um, so the, the Cavaliers go down to the Bahamas uh, and come back with some hardware. Um, interesting games in the sense that um, when you play three teams in three days – you're you're gonna have to some 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 consistency is gonna have to be there if you win them. Um, didn't ha- didn't get to watch maybe the the Wisconsin game as closely as I would normally have, but I really thought that um, that overall they 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 were good at figuring out how to get the job done and then doing that. Um, Dave, as as you look at the basketball team as in the start they've had, what stands out to you? What 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 sort of really like grabs your attention about this group. Yeah, I think this is the first time we talked about basketball since he actually played a game. It is. And, it um, is. Uh, uh, I'm gonna little hot take. I'm not in love with this team right now. Um, Ooh, I think I, I think take. I'm I think I'm going to fall. You know, going to 
love them as they as they kind of figure it out. But you know, the one thing I, I talked about in the podcast is like, you know, the the preseason podcast for basketball was where's the personality of this team? Right now to me it's Kihei Clark. When he's off the court, the team kind of seems you know, we've we've talked about how how Tony's offense and defense is very similar to offensive line, right? They've got a they all work together. When Kihei's not on the Clark it, on the court, it, it doesn't feel like it's there yet. Did you say um, on the Clark it? Yeah, yeah. You did. You merged Clark so and excited. court. That was really good. Yeah. Um so I just think this team is so different than what we've seen from Tony. And that's what I keep look keep thinking when I watch him. Like, you know, Tony's always had one player on the court whose main job was defense, who really wasn't an offensive weapon. And you could argue that's Jack Salt, but he he can really only guard the post, which as we know is, you know, a fading a fading specialty in the college game, especially and even in the NBA. Um he's effective. I love him, but he's not you know, he's not an Akil Mitchell or Darion Atkins or Malcolm Brogdon, um, Isaiah Wilkins, Devin Hall. You know, he, he's not a multi-position defensive player. And we've always had that guy. Um, Kihei is probably the closest thing to that right now, except he's shooting so much. Um, and I think the other thing that the team is struggling with is in the offense. You know, when, when you play the pace we do, you're not getting a whole lot of shots. And now you got a lot of guys who can score. Um so there's kind of this need to share it. Like there's not a guy whose job is defense now. So everyone shoots. Um, and I think it's going to take a while to figure that out. And I think that's why you saw Tony play with the starting lineup in that last game. And, in, in, in the Bahamas, um, I would not be shocked to see Braxton start coming off the bench just because of it changes what you could bring in the lineup when he comes in. So, so far not in love, but I hope they figure it out. You know, it's funny that you say that because I was pr- totally prepared to come on here and not necessarily talk about how bad, you know, this player or that player is playing, but I'm just looking at the way things fit. And I'm not entirely sure that Virginia's best lineup right now is not Kihei, um, T- uh, Ty Jerome, Braxton Key, um, DeAndre Hunter, and either Mamadi or Jack, depending on, you know. it. It's almost like when you put Braxton and DeAndre together, if Kihei's on the court, everything works better. At least that's my opinion. Now, maybe I'm wrong. You mean when Kihei's on the Clark? Oh, Kihei's on the Clark. When Kihei's on the Clark, um, it, it just feels to me like the thing works better. And I'm not sure if that's just because Ty can, can, is so easily on and off ball or what. But, but when Braxton and, and DeAndre on the floor together and Kyle Guy's on the floor, it just, there's just some, some kinks that need to get worked out. Um, I've been really impressed, impressed, impressed with Clark's um, confidence, not just in terms of his defense, but in terms of his offense. Dave mentioned, you know, shooting it all the time. Like he, yeah, he's he's not afraid, and he clearly has a green light. Um, and I think part of that is because you can look at the game, and you might make a, you might see a mistake here or there, but you can tell that that kid is locked in from the time he steps on the floor. Um, and Tony already trusts him, like trust him. Right now, I'm not sure if that he's going to be in the starting lineup all the time, but it's a it's interesting to me in the sense one, you, you very rarely ever see Tony go this way, um, and then two, like that two two one that they've been running at times, like if they can get that thing down, that thing could be could be nasty. Run a two two one and fall back into a pack line. Um, a lot of that is going to require Mamadi to play better, and I think his consistency has been a little bit of a disappointment to me. Um, just because he, I mean, may, you know, what's the whole, the whole adage, right? That when somebody shows you who they are, you should believe them. Like he fouls a lot and he can't foul a lot and he still fouls a lot. Um, but he's, he, his skill set is such that man, when he's, when he's playing well, the thing really does roll. Um, but overall, I, I, I think that they're, that the, the way that they had to sort of gut out a couple of those games in the Bahamas, I think was good for him because the steady diet of cupcakes was not you know, was not doing much for their marshmallow abs. Um, Mamadi's got this weird thing. Like, I don't think you can not start Mamadi. Like something happens while he sits on the bench after warmups. Like his energy builds up to a point where he can't control himself when he comes off the bench. When he, he'll always come out, he'll make a mistake or two, go back to the bench. When he comes back in again, he's good. And he played pretty well starting. So maybe that's the key. I don't know. So you think they should start him, let him make his mistakes, send him to the bench, and then he's better when he comes back? Is that, yeah. Is that what you're saying? No, I think he's better if you let him start right away because he's, he's burned off some energy in the warm-ups and everything else. Like when he comes off the bench, he comes in like super hyper, um, not getting a feel for the, you know, feel, feel for the game. So 
Interesting. Uh, I don't know. Um, Ferber, give me some of your early uh, impressions. Good or bad. I agree with you guys. This team stinks. I, I, okay. Whoa, 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 whoa. Fake news. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Calm down the outrage train. I'm just kidding, Brad. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that these are good problems to talk about when you're 6-0 and and ranked fourth. Right? <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I think we're going to learn a lot more about the team on Wednesday night when they play Maryland because I think Maryland's a pretty decent team, even though they haven't really played a lot of good teams themselves. So I guess we'll find out a lot more about them as well. Um, but I kind of agree. I think that the lineup – down the stretch this season is probably not the generic starting lineup that we've had this year. Um, I think that there's going to be some tinkering and maybe this is a year that Tony kind of breaks away from something he's done in the past where he's found a lineup and stuck with it. Um, Maybe this year you kind of just roll out there, whatever you think is the best matchup. Um, If you feel like you have seven, eight guys that can play, um, you know, you can just kind of put the best five out there and, and, and see what happens. But um I mean, again, it is good to have these versatile pieces and stuff, but at the same time, you don't want to have too many of the same thing out there, I guess. But right, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think my biggest concern from the battle for Atlantis is it seemed like um, they seemed a little vulnerable with the lead at times. Like uh, in that Middle Tennessee game, they kind of got out to a big lead, and then Middle Tennessee came back, and then the Dayton game was pretty close throughout and then the um wisconsin game they got out to a pretty big lead and then wisconsin really chipped away at it i think it got down to four um obviously like you i was kind of struggling to watch it in the blacksburg lane stadium press box but um yeah i mean i I, i'd I'd like to see them kind of finish games a little better i guess um but again this isn't really like a i'm not in like a panic mode and neither are you guys but um I, I think that I think that Dave is kind of onto something that it feels like they're not quite in like hitting their ceiling yet, um, and that's a good thing. I mean, I think that means that there's more for them to do. Um, right. But I think that you know against Maryland, we'll see what they got. Tough road environment um, against the top twenty-five team. They're still so susceptible to these offensive droughts that then that concerns yeah. me. You know, like, I think that's kind of what I meant. Yeah, yeah. like but they're just, still so jump shot heavy. I mean, uh, we heard yeah. all year all. I'll practice how so many guys could touch the paint. Well, we're not seeing a lot of in the games. Well, a lot of teams, but that's a that's a credit too to the defense. It is because a lot of these teams are, are basically taking that. They're almost packing. They're almost doing to UVA what UVA does to everybody else. And quite frankly, I'm not sure why it took everybody so long to do this. Right to just pack the paint and basically make UVA beat itself, um, which is just you know another example of why the pack line defense is uh, is superior. Um, but I, I, I think that these offensive droughts that they, they, they tend to find themselves in, they, they, you can see sometimes them run an action that is specifically to just go get a bucket, right? But it doesn't seem to always jumpstart them. It more of just sort of pauses the drought. You know what I mean? Like it, it, you'll have like two or three minutes here, basket, two or three minutes here. Like that's really one drought. And I'm not saying it's, – it's like you didn't get a rainstorm, you got a shower, and that doesn't fix a drought. You know what I mean? And, like, the offense needs to be it, – it, they're, they're, still, they're, they're still very efficient. And that's been a thing that Virginia basketball has been, right? It's, it's about efficiency. But when you play, the, the, when you play the, the, the style that they play with the number of possessions that they don't get, right, that some other teams get, when you take that volume off the table, that efficiency number, it, it not only has to be – high but it has to be consistent and like asking guys to do that every night all the time especially when they're shooting jump shots is tough now what is you know dre was shooting like 68 percent or something from three and i don't think that's going to be i mean maybe he will keep that up but i mean i don't think that's likely they've got they've got to figure out ways to to diversify they've run a lot of stuff this year already that you wouldn't expect them to run on both sides of the floor the the, the press you know there have been a couple of possessions of zone here and there um so there you can tell that tony's tinkering that he's that he's got some things he's working on my question is going to be wednesday night you're really going to see rubber meet road because it's a really good team in a hostile environment um you know he said on teleconference today you know i don't know if these kids understand the rivalry they're about to like because let me tell you what college park if you've never been there congratulations um it's just not the kind of place you want to go play a basketball game um, those fans are, are going to be merciless. It's not a place you want to you know? do anything. And I can't imagine. <laughs> yeah. I can't. I can't imagine what that pregame is going to be like for those kids. You know, um, 
given all the things that 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 crowd says in every time, not just when it's you know. I mean, if they don't if they don't go hard with the UMBC stuff, then they're just messing up. No, and that's they what really I'm they really lost their way in the Big Ten, <laughs> right? <laughs> You've changed. Um, yeah, but it's just it's going to be really interesting to see how that how that plays out. And um, as much as I don't like going to College Park, I'm really curious to watch this game. Um, anything else on hoops and 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 this in this show before we wrap it up, fellas? Not I don't think I, so. ACC is pretty good. It's going to be a long year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we got a lot of basketball ahead of us. So yeah, I would I go mean, ahead and re- and and recommend that everybody try not to live and die with every possession. You know, as as some yeah, people and, do. And, and the, I mean, I don't really like. I know that people are more into the basketball team than the football team, but like people were like, if they lose to Wisconsin and Virginia Tech beats them in football, like I'm going to die. <laughs> and it's like those two things are on a completely like if they lost to Wisconsin, it's not the end of the world. Like everything's going to be fine. It's a non-conference game. They're going to be fine. Like, and the thing too is that they've set the bar because if you think yeah, about it, how it's many like times you can't you lose seen, now. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, like how many times have you seen, did you see UVA lose last year, right? I know the UMBC game was horrible, but man, they played a lot of basketball games and very, very rarely ever lost. Like, you're gonna have it's it's gonna happen like that's not how bas- basketball's not football, um, but at the same time it's like it's not just the games it's like possession to possession, like mm-hmm. like people are like living and dying with every, like oh man it's it's down to four like all right like you know there's yeah, seven it's, it's minutes the same, left. It's the same people who criticize Tony for not letting people work through their mistakes who are freaking out when there's mistakes and you know he, he needs to let them let them work on the mistakes who cares yeah, who somebody's gonna. Game. Somebody's gonna have to explain to me the whole JF thing, but I'm not gonna get into that. If you are somebody who found the uh, found the website and um, and then discovered the podcast, feel free to give us uh, a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your program. Uh, always helps us to spread the word. If you're somebody who found the podcast but have not checked out the website, lots of stuff, uh, lots of crazy people to argue with. Um, Ferber writes a lot of words. Um, every once in a while, I do too. Um, so give us a look at CavsQuarter.com. I want to thank Dave and Ferber for giving graciously of their time, as always, on this Monday evening. And, um, again, I want to thank everybody out there for supporting the show. For David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.